0: to my mommy's
1: podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Fabletics. This is my go-to brand for athletic wear that is long lasting, super comfy and functional, but also cute enough to wear anywhere. I discovered this brand co-founded by Kate Hudson when looking for cute workout clothes and now I'm a regular customer. Their pieces are all super cute but also comfortable and flattering. I've always had a love-hate relationship with workout wear until now, because while I loved the idea of yoga pants and comfy bras, I never loved the prices on premium brands like Lululemon, and I hadn't found other options that were affordable, but still comfy and long-lasting. Fabletics is my solution. They are a fashion-focused activewear brand with a mission to empower women to make healthy active lifestyle choices because of the exceptional price point. They carry gym wear that's suitable for any type of workout, but that's cute enough for normal everyday wear as well, or for your normal everyday workout of just being a mom. Athletics is a one-stop shop for affordable gym wear, and because they create all of their designs in-house, you won't find them anywhere else. If you've never tried them, I highly recommend starting at their collections page so that you can see all the trending pieces. They release brand new styles, collections, and prints every month too. Now, before I forget, Fabletics is offering you an incredible deal that you don't want to miss. You can get two leggings for only $24, which is a $99 value when you sign up as a VIP just go to fabletics.com forward slash wellness mama to take advantage of the deal. Now that's fabletics.com forward slash wellness mama to get two leggings for only $24 and free shipping on orders over $49. International shipping is available and there's no commitment when you purchase your first order. So again, dot com forward slash wellness mama. This episode is sponsored by just thrive probiotics. I found this company when searching for the most research-backed and effective probiotic available, and I was blown away at the difference I found in their products. They offer two cornerstone products that are both clinically studied and highly effective. The first is their probiotic, which has been studied to help with leaky gut and to survive up to 1000 times as much as other probiotics or as the beneficial organisms in something like Greek yogurt, for instance. The difference is their spore based strains work completely differently than other types of probiotics. Their probiotic is vegan, dairy free, histamine free, non GMO, and is made without soy, dairy, sugar, salt corn, tree nuts, or gluten, so it's safe for practically everyone. I even sprinkle it in my kids' food or bake it into products because it can survive at really high temperatures. Their probiotic contains a patented strain called Bacillus Indicus HU36, which produces antioxidants in the digestive system where they can be easily absorbed by the body. Their other product is a K2-7, and this is a nutrient you may have heard of. It's known as Activator X, a super nutrient that Weston A. Price, a dentist known primarily for his theories on the relationship between nutrition, good health, bone development, and oral health found. He found that this is prevalent in foods in the healthiest communities in the world. The K2 from Just Thrive is the only pharmaceutical grade, all natural supplement with published safety studies like the probiotic, it is also gluten, dairy, soy, nut, and GMO-free, and best are both taken with food, so I keep both on my kitchen table. Here's a tip, too. My dad has trouble remembering to take supplements, so he actually taped these to his pepper shaker because he uses that at practically every meal, and now they're on his daily supplement list as well. You can check out all their products and learn more by going to thriveprobiotic.com forward slash Wellness Mama and using the code Wellness Mama 15 to save 15%. So again, that's Thrive Probiotic, T H R I V E P R O B I O T I C dot com forward slash Wellness Mama and the code Wellness Mama 15 to save 15%. Hello and welcome to the Wellness Mama Podcast i'm katie from wellnessmama.com and i'm here today with mike salguero who is the ceo and founder of ButcherBox. you've probably heard me talk about it but if you haven't it's the first delivery service dedicated to providing Completely natural grass fed beef, organic chicken and heritage pork to consumers. It's something our family has used for a really long time. And we'll talk about it today, but the idea came when Mike's wife was pregnant with their first child and they wanted to eat the healthiest meat possible, but had trouble finding completely grass fed beef. And so, of course, they solved their own problem and fixed their own need. And I love that there's even an echo of my own story and my own journey began also when I was pregnant with my first child. So I cannot wait to introduce you guys to Mike. So Mike, welcome and thanks for being here.
0: Thanks so much for having me.
1: So I'd love to hear, to start off that story a little bit more in detail of how you, when your wife was pregnant, um, realized this was something that you guys need to focus on and then how you went from that to starting a company to solve the problem.
0: Yeah, sure, sure. So um uh, a little bit of the background. So, uh, I was actually running a different company at the time. It was called custommade.com, which was a marketplace that connected makers, so people that make jewelry and furniture uh, with consumers. And my wife was pregnant and we started, she started like, she has a Hashimoto's. So, she has a, a thyroid condition, which is, uh, and so she has to limit inflammation. And she really started like, Reading up on limiting inflammation and how to do that best, et cetera, and so we were both working hard to uh, clean up our diet and to make sure that she's only eating the the best stuff possible you know once you are pregnant or have children kind of those uh those decisions are a lot easier because there's like something else that you're you're nourishing and feeding and um, every book that we read uh every you know whether it was kind of the paleo diet or that was really the one that we, we focused on. Um, It was eat grass-fed beef and we couldn't find it. So we went to our local grocery store. I live in Boston. um, So, you know, we have city grocery stores and um, there might be a brick of grass-fed ground beef, but that was pretty much it. And I also didn't really know all the terminology. I, I, I noticed like one label said grass fed and then it said grain finished. And I was like, I, I didn't understand any of that. So I, I just started getting really geeky about like, huh, like how do we get really great grass fed beef? That led me to a farmer uh, in New York who I was purchasing uh, what they call a cow share from. So I'd get like a trash bag or two trash bags full of meat and uh, it's, you know, they they would slaughter one cow and and, and basically spread it out amongst a bunch of people and, uh, the first time that I did that, I didn't have enough room for it in my freezer. I lived in a small uh, apartment in Boston. And so I, uh, gave out some out to my friends and then six months later we bought more and six months later we bought a lot. And, uh, all of a sudden we, <laughs> we, uh, we just really got into this grass fed thing. And then, uh, the last time that I had, uh, that I had given out grass fed beef to my friends, um, one of them was like, this would be so much better if it was delivered to my house. I was like, oh, yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. So I started trying to dig into that and figure that out and ended up meeting uh, a former executive from Omaha Steaks who, you know, Omaha Steaks is like a huge direct-to-consumer meat company, beef company. And they, he was able to open some doors and, and solve some pieces, which got us, got us going. Uh, we started with a Kickstarter campaign this was this was started as like a very modest like you know we're gonna we're just gonna get something up, and maybe a few hundred people will would be interested in this uh we didn't raise any money because I wanted to make sure that we could make the decisions we wanted to in terms of the farms and the people we work with and uh we just got going and uh so it's so crazy like the day so it was september we launched like September eighth two thousand fifteen the, the week of our launch, uh, consumer reports came out with a cover story that was the case for grass fed. And, um, you know, it's just kind of like this awakening, this, this larger awakening of people in this country saying I should be eating grass fed. Uh, and so our timing was well, right in terms of the product, but also we were solving this need, which is like a lot of people awaken to wanting grass fed, but then they go to their local grocery store and can't find it. Um, Uh, or they want to eat uh, more humanely raised animals or they want to eat antibiotic and hormone free animals and they don't know how to read labels. And it's actually hard to find this product. Um, And uh, what we see now, so now we're, uh, so we're nationwide, um, you know, fast forward three years, we're nationwide. We, we're, uh, we continue to just work on getting you a box of meat as quickly and as efficiently and as cost effectively as possible. And we, you know what we've learned. We've learned a ton about the meat industry, which is uh, which I, I can go into as much as you want to. Um, we've also learned um, just how important great quality meat is. And you know, I'm now a father of three. My my wife, uh, we got pregnant again. We had found out at 22 weeks that she we were having twins, uh, which is crazy. Um, and uh, we, you know, uh, the meal is so important to me and my family, and could cooking and you know sharing in this in this great meat. and uh we just it's just so cool to be able to bring that to so many other people across this country it's just been a it's been an amazing ride and um you know i think it's rare to find businesses that are um great for you great for the environment um you know kind of we're, we're hitting a lot of different touch points it's very it feels very mission focused and that's that's a really great reason to get out of bed and um try to make this a really uh, a really, you know, impactful company and a really impactful thing in the world.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I echoed your wife's sentiment. I also have Hashimoto, so I know very well about keeping inflammation low and the health differences between grass fed and conventional beef. But I'm glad you brought up the meat industry because I feel like there's still so much confusion, even among really educated consumers, um, yep. about all these terms within the meat industry because you hear natural and organic and grass-fed and of course we all are a little bit familiar with feedlots and how awful those are but can you walk us through just some of the terms associated with the meat industry?
0: Sure um, yeah so labels are very confusing and I think one of the things for uh, your listeners or what I tell my friends is Uh, Just keep in mind that labels are designed to confuse you in in some ways. Um, So they're going to market the things that are like a little bit um, better and kind of, you know, so it's just like shopping the grocery store for anything. You need need to read your ingredients and understand and be informed. So uh, all natural doesn't mean anything. So all natural, generally when you see all natural, you'll see an asterisk and it says uh, minimally processed. You can get all natural on your product with nothing, no, like you don't actually need to prove anything. Um, What you're really looking for in terms of antibiotics and hormones is antibiotic and hormone free and never ever is even better. So never antibiotics or never ever antibiotics and hormones. Um, So in beef, antibiotics and hormones can be put in, in pork, antibiotics can be put in and in chicken, antibiotics can be put in as well. Um, antibiotics started in the fifties, uh, and it actually, um, was a way of getting them to put on weight, uh, to, to gain a lot of weight. So there were these, uh, these professors, uh, in the fifties and sixties who were trying to figure out ways to get, um, chickens to grow bigger, faster. And, uh, they found by administering an antibiotic, they, they put on weight incredibly, incredibly fast. Not only did they put on weight, but they actually converted feed better. Um, And so what happened in the industry was two things. One, everyone was obsessed with cheap meat, right? So the the consumer wasn't really worried about where it came from. It was worried about the the price of of meat. Um, And two, because all these animals were having antibiotics, uh, they were able to be put closer and closer together. So what ended up happening was... um, uh, the the feedlot or the confined feeding operations started popping up because people were able to put a lot of animals in the same amount of space. Uh, Whereas before they, that, that, that wasn't really what they, what they did because of sicknesses and and whatnot. Um, So that's kind of antibiotics and hormones Uh, as far as grass fed goes. So what you're looking for is hundred percent grass fed. Uh, What's really interesting. And I think uh, you know, a travesty is uh, what's happening in this country right now is people are, innovating around feedlotting, um, cows, grass. Um, so I also say to look for pasture raised. Um, I believe pasture raised is going to be, if, if you ask me three years from now, I think all the labels that are true pasture raised will say pasture raised instead of hundred percent grass fed. Cause I think that's, uh, where the customer There's going to be a backlash. Um, but yeah. Did you know you really want not only hundred percent grass fed, but pasture raised or raised on open pastures? Uh, generally in terms of uh, humane standards if you care about humane standards so there's gap which is a global animal partnership um, you can find those at whole foods and also in a lot of other places it's a five-step thing they have a lot of information online but um, you know step three step four and step five are I would say what where most people want to be if they if they care about humane standards um, There's also an organization called Certified Humane, um, which will go in and certify humane. Third party, what happens there is it's a third party audit. So they go in to the farm and they make sure conditions are good. They show up um, possibly unannounced to make sure conditions are good. And they're kind of like the eyes and ears for the animal to make sure that um, it's being treated well. Uh, So um, I personally, all of our stuff is uh, humane certified. And uh, that's really important uh, to me and the meat I eat. But so if people are interested in that, that's, that's what, where that is. So there's like the grass fed grain finished. I I, I see less and less of that now, but sometimes it'll say grass fed and grain finished, um, which that's just a traditional cow. That's, you know, how they're, how they're raised normally. Um, so just a little bit of information. I'll try to be quick. The way that grass fed beef works is, um, so every cow starts out the exact same way, which is cow-calf, meaning the cow is uh, born and then it feeds from its mother for the first six months. And then the next year, it's, uh, it's basically every cow is exactly the same as well. It just eats grass out on a field. Now, some that are given antibiotics are given antibiotics really early in their life. Uh, the ones that are never, ever didn't get an antibiotic, but otherwise they're essentially the same living conditions at the last six months, that's where things change. So the cow's 18 months old and then 98% of them um, are sold to uh feedlot or feeder operations where they are um, fed. They basically wean them off the grass and feed them a diet that's very high in carbohydrate and grain. So it's grain, cor- corn, soy, and the cow just eats it and eats it and eats it and just keeps eating and gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Whereas the grass fed cow just stays on the field. And generally it's like, instead of six months, it's about nine months before um, the cow is grown to the full, the full size. So grass fed cows are leaner because they didn't spend six months eating, just eating grain. And they uh, basically, they lived as nature intended. So in many ways they've been healthier um, rather than eating a a substance that's not really designed for, uh, for a cow. So, Yeah, uh, there are, like I said, it's 98% of the industry goes one way and 2% goes the other way. The whole structure has been built around kind of that feeder operation and we're here to change that structure and we're here to um, basically create a different way for the farmers and a different way for the customer and kind of help bridge that gap in between. So chicken is... Oh, yeah, you said organic, too. So organic is um, basically organic. In order to be organic, it's, it's kind of like a third party certification. So it's uh, it is a third party certification. So there are certain requirements of being organic. And in the meat world, you can read those requirements and then understand like what what you want to support. So in a lot of cases, you don't find organic pasture raised grass fed beef. Um, because it's too hard to for the farmers to certify uh, their fields and these cows roam. And so if you have a huge field, it's very hard to certify the entire thing as organic because uh, things like a tractor that goes from one side of a non-organic field into an organic field ruins the organic certification. Um, so it's very hard and very expensive. And in this country, land is uh, hard to come by. It's certainly hard to cordon off as organic. So sometimes when you see organic meat or beef, uh, it's, it's, what it's fed is organic uh, grains in a, in a grain-fed environment and brought up in a couple of fields where they, they have organic. Uh, on the chicken and pork side, that's different. so organic organic chicken, it's fed organic grains. there are like density requirements and you know, health and wellness requirements, et cetera. So certainly if you're worried about antibiotics and hormones, I think uh, looking for it specifically saying antibiotic and hormone free or organic is the way to go. And the, just to put a cap on the segment uh, or this piece, um, what I tell people. So oftentimes people are like, I can't afford grass fed beef, you know, which uh, I, I, I recognize as a real challenge for people like putting food on the, on, on the plate is hard and it's expensive. And, uh, what I tell people is, if you're not going to eat, I mean, the first thing I would say is eat meat, just eat less meat, eat high quality meat, but eat less of it. The second thing I would say is, if that's not working for you, the uh, what you want to do. So animals store to- toxins in their fat, so do humans. And what what you'd want to do is get the leanest cuts possible. Like so, if you if if you feel like you there's this is the only meat I have access to, great try the leanest cuts possible. And then if you want to have that you know, thing of bacon, or you want to have that ribeye, or you want to have something with a lot of fat, uh, try to get the cleanest, uh, cleanest meat you can.
1: And yeah, definitely I echoed that. And that's what our family's done a lot over the years is just to eat less meat, but make sure it was really high quality. And um, I always tell people that from a budget perspective, it's- easy to add in and inexpensive to add in even things like frozen vegetables if you're on a budget or just whatever vegetables are in season when cabbage is in season it's very inexpensive and stretch the meat by adding more vegetables which most people universally agree are vegetables are pretty good for us so that's a great place to start I'm glad you talked about the environmental impact as well because one thing that frustrates me uh, in the health world I'm sure you see it as well is the polarized people arguing over tiny details in diet even amongst the like vegan versus paleo there's actually so much we all agree on there's like 90% we all agree on none of us in this health world want feedlots to happen nobody wants animals to be treated poorly so i feel like there's so much we can do together if we start from that common ground but i know a question that comes up so often um is about the environmental impact of meat in general yep. and i often yep. hear people say you know like Cows are, it's bad for the planet for any of us to eat meat. So yes. I'd love if you could speak to that from the industry side. Is there for actually sure. uh, a role for animals in, in environment?
0: Yeah. And it's actually uh, super interesting. Okay. So basically all the facts about the environment and the environmental impacts, I'll, I'll take cows cause they're, I mean, there are whole movies uh, about, about the beef industry. So all the facts about the environment and the environmental impacts are generally for the, feedlot cow, not for a grass-fed pasture-raised cow. So that's just like one piece. So a lot of like, the oh, it's really bad for the environment, all the farting, all this stuff is like, that was the measurement. Actually, the UN Climate uh, Report, which I think was done in 2015, uh, the last report that they did, uh, says that grass-fed cows um, emit more carbon than grain-fed cows because the only thing they looked at was lifespan. So because they live longer they quote unquote emit more carbon into the air. So that's kind of like the backdrop of what, what, what people say on the, on the negative side. There's a whole bunch of research happening right now, which is really interesting and exciting about soil and what they call carbon sequestration and about what happens when you put animals on the soil. So if you've ever been to a farm where you, you're looking at a pasture, anywhere that the animal has been is generally a way more lush uh, grass field. And in the middle of this country, uh, there are lots of fields that have been over farmed for years with crops. And essentially, the soil is pretty depleted and has completely has just been tilled and tilled and tilled and tilled. And what people are seeing is if you put animals on on the land, uh, they're pooping, they're using their hooves to mash that poop in and it's growing these incredibly fertile grasslands Ah, uh, you, if you think about this company, like or this um, country, back in the days of the buffalo, it was the Great Plains. It was these wide-open plains of grass, and that grass was, uh, you know, basically, buffaloes eating the grass. They're pooping out the seeds. They're mashing it in, and it's creating more and more grasslands. And what people are measuring now is what they call carbon sequestration, which is the ability for those grasslands, just like a tree to essentially suck carbon out of the atmosphere and, and store it in the ground where it's a nutrient for the ground and the ground can continue to, um, you know, get better and better, more fertile. So there's a ton of, there's actually some really, there's the savory Institute, which has done a lot of research on this. He actually is from, I think, Zimbabwe. And um, they've seen this with elephants and, and, and large animals as well, where they go to areas uh, where it's arid or where, grass has not grown and um they're they're able to like regenerate savannah uh in really interesting and exciting ways so we're very excited for this notion of emission free or carbon neutral meat and we are working with people on measurement better measurement uh making sure that so there is a methane you know cow's fart and and it produces methane there is that but in terms of like uh, first of all, if they're eating a diet that's made for them, it's less. Uh, and if they're, if they're, but nobody's like really measured this stuff before. So there's, there's some really interesting work being done in this space. And I, I mean, there's, uh, there's a lot of different arguments for and against. So. The vegan argument, uh, of not eating animals is interesting because generally, um, you know, the tofu that people are eating or the beans that they're eating, uh, are come from those same, uh, overcropped areas. And I mean, it's, uh, there are a lot of insects, a lot of animals, a lot of bees, a lot of, uh, you know, things in the ground. There's a lot of living life that, uh, exists in an open grass field and doesn't exist in a, you know, in a, a, Planted soy field, um, and that's just a. It's, it's interesting because that never really comes up. It's really just about the 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 cow. The average American eats two hundred and twenty pounds of meat a month, or sorry, a month <laughs> a year. So, and a and a grass fed cow is probably about five hundred pounds of edible meat. So you're talking about if you and your family had one cow and ate from that cow it, it it's going to last you about a year and uh i you know there's interesting arguments on all sides environmental as well as humane arguments and um i agree with you i mean so we we agree that the the industry needs to be reformed that's what we're trying to do we have a lot of people who you know tried being a vegetarian and can't because uh, they're they're not healthy or they're just it's just not working for them and a lot of those people really appreciate being able to work with us because we care a lot about how the animals were raised i mean i i can tell you you know we we're touring the farms we're touring this the uh slaughterhouses we're touring we're just making sure that that experience is as good as possible given that we know that it's meat right so it was a living animal which is sad but um we try to make sure that that's uh, as dignified of an experience as possible. And, and a lot of that has to do with this fundamental belief we have, which is why it's all over our website and all over our box, which is back to nature. It's this, this notion of nature had a really good plan and uh, we've been trying to control nature and all we need to do is just go back to the way it used to be. And, and things seem to be way more in harmony and way better. Um, and, and the health outcomes for humans and the health outcomes for the animal are just, just appear to be uh, way better.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think just to go back to that point for a second, I think that's, we could actually create so much change and we are throughout the health industry, certainly, but if all of us would start with the things we agree on. And I think that's a common thing that would actually help across society right now, if we could start with the things we agree on. Um, And I want to switch gears a little bit, because I think you also have some wisdom in a different area that could really be helpful to a lot of the listeners. And that's on the entrepreneurial side and life balance. And the reason I say that is because most of the people listening are moms, not all of them, but most of them. And I firmly believe that moms are the hardest workers on the planet. And we're constantly juggling <laughs> yep. pretty much you know, nine plates in the air at all times. And I think yep. the only thing that comes pretty close is entrepreneur life. So yep. I would love if you could s- that for a minute of um, how you have managed to find balance, because certainly I'm sure growing a company while having three toddlers in the house has not been an easy ride all the time.
0: No, no, definitely not. I'll give a little bit of a backstory. But I just read this article about mental strain. I don't know if you've seen this. I think it was in Slate or something. And it's about how the the mom, uh, whether it's a part-time mom or, or part-time working mom, full-time working mom, or a uh, stay-at-home mom, um, there's this notion of mental strain, which is essentially like the strain of keeping the house going and coordinating all the different things and the calendars and the events and like this, that, and the other, uh, the bills, the you know, running a household is incredibly hard. And, uh, a lot of that for whatever reason is just given to the mom, which is essentially like entrepreneurship. You're right. is like all these different things. You have no idea what's going to happen today. And it's like, you just got to react in the best way possible and hope for the best. So, um, I am, uh, so a couple things. One, I grew up without a father. Um, my parents got divorced when I was three months old. I'm the youngest of four. Uh, so I never had a dad and, uh, always, I was the kid that I always believed my dad was coming home and he never did. And, uh, I take my job as a father as the most important of, of all the roles, the most important. And you know, what's happened is, um, that's actually worked better for the business my last company. So the custom made company, I was the first guy in, I was the last guy to leave. I was there on the weekends. I was working and working and working and grinding, grinding, grinding. I I didn't have any kids at that point, but um, you know, definitely like left my wife uh, you know, home alone a lot just to like work and work, work. And it it didn't work. Like I, I, I didn't perform any better. The company didn't perform any better. In many ways we did worse because I was around so much. And um, one of the big lessons that I had when my daughter Marley was born and I started ButcherBox was a lot of times I believed that I needed to be there to keep all the plates spinning and like keep everything going. And what I didn't do uh, or or what I like, what I, I didn't really want to do that anymore. I wanted to keep plate spinning in my family. I wanted to be there. Um, so I, you know, I've tried to not work Fridays and I've tried to, I'm home for dinner pretty much every night. I, I say no to a lot of stuff because I believe that my job is to be a father and be home and also to take some of that mental strain away. So I also believe like some of that work is super easy for me to do because I'm in front of a computer and I'm just like in execution mode. So I do a lot of the appointment setting and a lot of the vacation planning and a lot of the stuff that like it, whatever I can take off my wife, Carlene's plate so that she can focus on being the mom she wants to be and doing the things she wants to do. And also her business, she's a pelvic floor physical therapist, which by the way is amazing. You should, <laughs> you should have her on. Cause she is, I mean, what's happening. That's a total aside, but what's, what's happening in pelvic floor health and the way in which she can help women um, rebuild their pelvic floors after having children is, incredible and can happen really fast so my wife uh runs a company it's called women's journey physical therapy it's a boston-based thing so but um her patients are people who had children um and generally um have issues with incontinence so uh leak urine whether that's when you pick something up sneeze jump rope etc and it's fixable uh and a lot of people deal with shame over years and years and years of like oh Jesus something's wrong with me Um, and she basically in six visits, uh, some people take longer, some people take shorter, um, helps people get better, which is amazing. Um, in terms of empowering women and, uh, empowering moms and and whatnot. And also she birthed twins. So, uh, she, uh, she, she's no stranger to, uh, you know, having your body get, get really, really hurt by having kids. So anyway, uh, as an aside, that's an aside. I believe that the, the more that I as an entrepreneur can have that bleed into my, my home life and help as much as I can is really important. It's also been really important to me, especially if you're in a startup or if you're starting a company, you get to choose the life that you want to live. Um, you know, a lot of people are like, Oh, I, I really wish I could do that, but I can't cause I, I have to like do my, my startup work and it's like well that's missing the whole point the whole point is um of being an entrepreneur is you it's lifestyle design you get to design the lifestyle you want if you want to work super hard okay work super hard but just know that that's you're you're making that choice now obviously like every once in a while there's something you have to do that's that's different but i think for the most part um people uh especially people in like, quote unquote, startups, um, believe that grinding it out is the way to go. That working 100 hours a week is like, you know, something to be proud of. And um, uh, I've just made a huge shift in that in terms of realizing that, um, you know, I still have to work, but the less, I, the less I'm like in everyone's hair and working and, and, and the more I'm delegating and empowering others to do my work, um, the better things are.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love a couple of things you just said. First being the importance of family dinner. I love that you go home for dinner every night. And I think like, that's one thing we do as well in our family. And that one small change alone, it affects your family culture so much and in such an important way. And I, I think that's something I would encourage all families to do. This podcast is brought to you by Fabletics. This is my go-to brand for athletic wear that is long-lasting, super comfy, and functional, but also cute enough to wear anywhere. I discovered this brand, co-founded by Kate Hudson, when looking for cute workout clothes, and now I'm a regular customer. Their pieces are all super cute, but also comfortable and flattering. I've always had a love-hate relationship with workout wear until now, because while I loved the idea of yoga pants and comfy bras, I never loved the prices on premium brands like Lululemon, and I hadn't found other options that were affordable, but still comfy and long-lasting. Fabletics is my solution. They are a fashion-focused activewear brand with a mission to empower women to make healthy active lifestyle choices because of the exceptional price point. They carry gym wear that's suitable for any type of workout, but that's cute enough for normal everyday wear as well, or for your normal everyday workout of just being a mom. Fabletics is a one-stop shop for affordable gym wear, and because they create all of their designs in-house, you won't find them anywhere else. If you've never tried them, I highly recommend starting at their collections page so that you can see all the trending pieces. They've released brand new styles, collections, and prints every month too. Now, before I forget, Fabletics is offering you an incredible deal that you don't want to miss. You can get two leggings for only $24, which is a $99 value when you sign up as a VIP. Just go to Fabletics.com forward slash Wellness Mama to take advantage of the deal now. That's Fabletics.com forward slash Wellness Mama to get two leggings for only $24 and free shipping on orders over $49. International shipping is available and there's no commitment when you purchase your first order. So again, F A B L E T I C S dot com forward slash Wellness Mama. This episode is sponsored by Just Thrive Probiotics. I found this company when searching for the most research-backed and effective probiotic available and I was blown away at the difference I found in their products. They offer two cornerstone products that are both clinically studied and highly effective. The first is their probiotic, which has been studied to help with leaky gut and to survive up to 1000 times as much as other probiotics or as the beneficial organisms in something like grape yogurt for instance. The difference is their spore based strains work completely differently than other types of probiotics. Their probiotic is vegan, dairy free, histamine free, non GMO, and is made without soy, dairy, sugar, salt corn, tree nuts, or gluten. So it's safe for practically everyone. I even sprinkle it in my kids' food or bake it into products because it can survive at really high temperatures. Their probiotic contains a patented strain called Bacillus Indicus HU36, which produces antioxidants in the digestive system where they can be easily absorbed by the body. Their other product is a K2-7, and this is a nutrient you may have heard of. It's known as Activator X, a super nutrient that Weston A. Price, a dentist, known primarily for his theories on the relationship between nutrition, good health, bone development, and oral health found, he found that this is prevalent in foods in the healthiest communities in the world. The K2 from Just Thrive is the only pharmaceutical grade, all natural supplement with published safety studies. Like the probiotic, it is also gluten, dairy, soy, nut, and GMO free. And best are both taken with food. So I keep both on my kitchen table. Here's a tip too. My dad has trouble remembering to take supplements. So he actually taped these to his pepper shaker because he uses that at practically every meal. And now they're on his daily supplement list as well. You can check out all their products and learn more by going to thriveprobiotic.com forward slash wellness mama and using the code wellness mama 15 to save 15%. So again, that's thrive probiotic, T H R I V E. P R O B I O T I C dot com forward slash wellness mama and the code wellness mama fifteen to save fifteen percent. I also love that you talked about the mental strain side or i 've also heard it called like the emotional responsibility for the family like there 's so many i 've heard i 've read multiple articles about this, and I think you 're absolutely right that all these things do get put on women, which um, is wonderful like well, I know women are perfectly capable of balancing these things, but I also know that it can be super overwhelming and so i 'm going to share more about it myself in the next year or so, but I went through this phase where I was doing great on the business side I had systems I had checklists, the business was running. And I felt like I was always stressed at home. And I kept thinking, why can I just kill it in business, but I can't manage my own personal life like this. And I finally realized, well, maybe it's because I actually have a mission and goals and systems in my business. And at home, I'm kind of just flying by the seat of my pants trying to get everything done. Yep. And so I really like took the, the business mindset and adapted that to my home life. And the byproduct was when everything had a time and a place and a system, there was no longer that emotional strain or mental strain of having to think about everything all the time. And so that's one thing I, it sounds like you guys have figured out as well, but I really encourage women to consider is just when you put systems in place, you actually get a tremendous amount of freedom. And just like with entrepreneur life, I feel like our families, it's our lifestyle design. We have families because we want to enjoy our families and spend time with those we love but so often we get stuck in the weeds of just managing the day-to-day so i love that you made that connection and i know from talking to mutual friends that you have also worked very hard to build an incredible company culture at butcher box and i think this is another lesson that's really applicable to families because families like businesses have a culture and it's something Maybe not all of us think consciously about creating, but I think it's super important. So I would love if you could share a little bit about the things you do to create a company culture and especially how those things could translate into family life.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that's a great question. So um, company culture is a really, uh, it's a really fun, uh, very fun kind of topic to, to, to work on and to think about. Uh, it's also incredibly important um, because if you don't establish the culture that you want Uh, it runs away from you. So then the culture becomes the culture it is. And especially if you're in a growing organization where, you know, we are, we are at a size now where uh, it used to be everyone who was here. I knew personally, I probably knew them for a few years because I was pulling their friends or people that worked for me uh, before. And now we're at a place where um, sometimes people hire people and I haven't even met them. Uh, So if we don't have a culture that um, everyone understands, you run a risk of hiring people and immediately, like, kind of losing that that culture, which is a really, you know, it, it it means it's even more important. My last company, we never actually established the culture. We never actually wrote down here are our cultural values uh, until it was way too late. Um, until the culture really got tested, and then we were like, oh, okay, I guess we should, uh, <laughs> I guess we should write something down because uh this isn't this isn't the way we wanted uh things to go um so yeah i mean i the the culture that we have here is um so we have cultural values uh humble is one of them um so humility is incredibly important to me uh member obsessed meaning uh, we're always thinking about our members how to drive a better experience for them how to make their experience even better and we've we've been working super hard this year. Uh, it was a really hard summer. Uh, we changed our box and went to a more eco-friendly liner. And that caused a lot of thaws to happen. And like, we, you know, we're, all we care about is delivering an amazing experience to the customer. And, you know, so that, that member of session is session uh, is a really big one. Um, accountability is really important as well. So uh, if you say you're going to do something that you actually do it, uh, authenticity. Um, so, and what I find is like those are the things that um people would say about me. I, I would hope people would say about me. Um so really the the culture in a lot of ways comes from the founder, the founding team of like this is what's important to us, this is how we want to show up. And it's a great reminder of um, you know, like then you start hiring people and start screening people on those questions. Like, are they humble? When they come in, do they talk with a lot of like I language, like I did this and then I did this and then I did this or like you know, I was on a team and we were able to accomplish this. And then we did this. Um, you you can see it. Um, I I have, you know, things in terms of interviewing people, things, things as easy as like, did they pick up the coffee mug that was on the table and ask me where they, where can they put it? You know, how did they come in? Were they, were they able to roll with the fact that I wasn't around for a few minutes? And did they talk to the team or not? Were they, you know, like, there, there's just things that you, you start to look for to make sure that people fit in. And obviously like we want diversity too. So you want diverse thought, you want diverse background, you want diverse, you know, it's just like that's good for a company. It's good for any organization. uh, But also you want people to have some of these core fundamental um, values or else it's just not going to work. So if you come in here and you say, you know, everything that's not, that's not a good start. It's not going to work.
1: Can you talk a little bit about the talent factory as well? This is something else I've heard. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's cool. Uh, yeah. The talent factory. So um, what I have talked about for years is um, uh, so I guess a little backdrop. My first company, we were up to about 60 people. We took a bunch of venture capital and then it didn't work out the way we wanted to. And we went down to a team of five. My, my co-founder still runs it. He's rebuilding it. It's working great. Custommade.com for jewelry, but um, it wasn't the like massive outcome. It uh, could have been. And a whole, re- whole bunch of reasons for that. But one of the things that I realized was, um, you know, so I had to like, I had to like let go of a lot of people, um, which is, which is awful. And what I realized was uh, everyone wants to be in a company, you know, it's that elbow, like the viral growth curve, where it's just like, you know, you're growing like crazy, your revenue's cr- like growing like crazy. Everyone's looking for that in terms of the startup world. And what, very few people honor or think about is your ability if you go into a company like that is if you can grow at the same growth rate as the company, you can literally in a couple of years completely change your career in terms of where you started and where you end up. So somebody who comes in as an intern can be running an entire division in an incredibly short amount of time just by saying yes. And by just knowing, Hey, wow, I'm on this growth curve. I got to stay ahead of the growth curve, which is incredibly hard to do. But if they do it, it's amazing. So going back to when we were letting people go custom-made, what I realized was when I felt really good and proud, even though I'm saying like, I, you know, we, we can't do it anymore. You, we have to say goodbye. I would feel incredibly proud if I had done the work or if I felt like the company had done the work to take them from a spot, you know, from one spot to another spot way above. Because then I felt like, okay, if you were there for six months, if you were there for a week, if you were there for three years – at least we had this huge impact on um, your life and on, you know, your future career and where you can go and what you believe in yourself that you can do. So in this company, I decided to really embrace that, right. To like really focus on the talent factory. So how do we get people um, better? You know, how do we empower people to do bigger things? How do we, basically frankly give people a lot of trust, uh, you know, a lot of rope and a lot of like, okay, you like we'll build some guardrails, but you're gonna have way more responsibility than you imagined very quickly. And uh and let people rise to that occasion. And uh what I find is if you have the right people, especially with that trait of humility and accountability, uh and uh, frankly authenticity, if they're willing to say, ooh, I messed this up, like what do I do now? Um, you can have a really, really interesting interesting company culture so yeah we have uh people who i believe are are riding that curve really well or staying ahead of that curve um and uh and and that's really exciting and and it's so cool to see you know you you take a you take a risk on somebody and and you see where they end up and it's just it's amazing it's really really fun
1: I love that. And I think that's actually a perfect corollary to family life as well. I think of this in relation to my kids and yours may still be a little young for this, but um, people ask me a lot, how do you get it all done? How do you do this with business and kids? And my answer is that I don't. I have a team in both places and at home, part of that team is our family, our children, and that our focus with them is creating lifelong skills so that they can enter adulthood as functional human beings who can do all of the things required. Um, And part of that means that they are contributing to the household and that we give them a large degree of independence early, but also with that comes responsibility. And so they have things they're responsible for in the house and the the degree to which they can be independent and perform those tasks of course makes my life easier but it also gives them that autonomy and the ability to be self-sufficient in that skill and to take ownership for it and it's truly amazing I feel like what children can accomplish when they're given that freedom to do so so we have a motto in our family when with our with our kids that we don't do anything for them once they're capable of doing it themselves and that's not to say that I will never you know brush my daughter's that. hair it, because she's old enough to brush it we still do things in a bonding way of course but once they can tie their own shoes, they tie their own shoes. And once they can do their own laundry, they do their own laundry because our goal is to create independent functioning adults. And it sounds like you do the same thing uh, in your company. You want to create people who have skills, who can change the world and make it better, yep. so not who are just stuck in a very defined role. I love that.
0: Yeah, no, that's super. I'm, I'm, I'm taking that. I'm taking that to my family because, uh, you know, like even this morning, so I have a four-year-old and two, uh, two-year-olds, two um, all girls and uh, my four-year-old, who can very easily get herself dressed and oftentimes dresses her sisters today was like, I need help getting dressed. And, uh, first of all, I got frustrated because I didn't sleep well and I I was worried about leaving the house and whatnot. I helped her, but I was frustrated about it. And, you know, I'm sure what she was really asking for was one, either a bonding moment where, you know, I could just see her, um, and just be with her. Uh, Or or two, she really wanted help getting dressed, but I think that's ridiculous because she knows how to get dressed. So using the kind of like, once you know how to do it yourself, like you do it. I I think that's a, that's a great, um, great way to build in a lifelong learning.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Do you have any uh, any chore recommendations for a a two-year-old and a four-year-old?
1: Oh yeah. Okay. So I'll stay on the first note, um, that's one thing, of course, kids also are human, like all of us. And if things are work, they don't want to necessarily do it. So I, ours at that age too would default to the, like, I can't do it or I need help. And we would have all these responses basically along the lines of, well, I won't do it because I know that you are capable and it would be an insult to your character if I did it for you Um, or something along those lines and kind of reframing for them. Um, I love the two and four ages though because they still have that natural desire to help, which I feel like is a great time to hone it in. So at that age, we would let them do things like help load the dishwasher. Um, They could wipe things down. They could obviously keep their own rooms clean and learn how to fold clothes in their drawers. Um, but honestly, art. Our, so our, she's now five. But when she was four, our second youngest started doing her own laundry because she was capable, and I showed her how to do it and how to treat stains. And she would have to get a stool because she was so little um, to be able to get stuff out of the laundry out of the washer and put it in the dryer. But she was completely capable, and she still does that. So pretty much everybody from number five on up does their own laundry. So I would say baby stuff them into it. But they are, especially at four and above that, they are incredibly capable. I think a lot more than we often give them credit for.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, um, yeah, that's a, that's a whole, that's a whole subject, which we're just starting to get into, which is, um, you know, I, I, it's, it's actually very good for me to hear kind of how you've taken things from your business and moved them into your, your family life. Cause it, it is a meld. It's, you know, the, the idea of work-life balance is, I don't know, I think it's kind of a misnomer cause it's, it's really a blur between work and life and it's figuring out how to make that blur. So that you can be present in every moment and be part of that blur. So this idea of taking the things that, to me and my company, are like, yeah, of course, uh, you're accountable. Do it, you know. Like, uh, and thinking about how how to relay that back into my my house is, uh, yeah, that's a that's a that's a good thought exercise.
1: For sure. And I think it helps also alleviate some of that uh, parent guilt that happens at times of when you're with your kids, you are you feel guilty you're not getting work done. And when you're getting work done, you feel guilty you're not spending time with your kids. And just reframing that to realize, of course, you want your kids to see you being a successful entrepreneur and changing the world and doing things to make the world better. Uh, and of course, you also want them to see you being an amazing parent. And so I think that's the key to it all, is just being extremely present in the moment, whenever that moment is, because you can't be present everywhere all the time. But it, um, so that's a, another key principle in our family is that we are present whenever we're in a place we're very careful to be present there. Um, but when it comes to advice, another question I love to ask toward the end of interviews, and I would love to hear your answer, is any book or books that have really had an impact on your life that you would recommend?
0: Definitely. Um, so my most gifted book is uh, it's an oldie but goodie, uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad personal finance is a, is a thing. I, I just think it's crazy. They don't teach in schools. They don't teach people how to, you know, like what having money means or how to save, et cetera. So in terms of personal finance, rich dad, poor dad, and richest man in Babylon, which is this whole notion that all you need to do is uh, take 10% of your money and, and save it and invest it and you'll be fine. In terms of like uh, leadership books I just got into this whole thing called conscious leadership, which is a fascinating subject. Um, and, and a book called The Big Leap is is also an interesting one. And uh, those are probably, those are probably my, my big recommendations.
1: And any parting advice that you wish you could spread far and why there will at least be a couple hundred thousand people listening to this so you can get it that far?
0: Well, get some meat from Butcher Box. Parting advice. Now, you know, I think what what's really interesting right now in this world is uh, there's a lot of division, there's a lot of divisiveness, and I I, I agree with something you touched on at the very beginning, which is if if two sides could just try to find that common ground and work from there, um, it's just it's just a way better. Uh, it, it, I think a lot of stuff can happen, things can be done, and um, and uh, you know, try to find common ground with the person you disagree with. I think is uh, obviously an ongoing challenge, but something I I, I recommend for, for everyone to try to do a little more of.
1: Absolutely. I think that's something, unfortunately, we're seeing just more and more division in today's world. And it's easy to focus on the things we disagree on. Or I even see people shut people out of each other's lives because they disagree on one thing and they still probably agree on so much more. But also, I always think even if you don't agree on things, we owe it to our kids, back to the family thing, to show them examples of being able to disagree with someone and still love and respect them. Yeah. And so I love that that's your parting advice because certainly the world needs that right now.
0: Yeah, sure.
1: Awesome. Well, Mike, thank you so much for your time and being here. This has been fun. I love that we got to touch on family and business and some other aspects I don't usually get to talk about. And I know that you are a busy parent and business owner. So I appreciate you prioritizing being with us today.
0: Absolutely. It was my pleasure.
1: And thanks to all of you for listening. And I hope you'll join me again on the next episode of the Wellness Mama podcast. If you're enjoying these interviews, would you please take two minutes to leave a rating or review on iTunes for me? Doing this helps more people to find the podcast, which means even more moms and families can benefit from the information. I really appreciate your time.
0: And thanks as always for listening.